Hi guys, Paul from the Innovation Community here. Today I'm with Peter Jackson, who has a really interesting background. He has served as uh, the Chief Data Officer for Southern Water and most recently Legal in general in the UK. Um, he's also co-authored Data Driven Business Transformation and has recently published the Chief Data Officer's Playbook. Uh, so I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about uh, him today. Great to have you with us. Thank you very much, Paul. Uh, just tell us a bit more about yourself in, in your own words. Uh, well, you mentioned legal in general and Southern Water. If I go back one step further than that, um, I was the first head of data at the pensions regulator uh, nearly five years ago now. Uh, and um, that was an important role for the pensions regulator because they realised, the CEO at the time, realised that a lot of the answers for a risk-based regulator lay in the data that, that in the data it was receiving. We had to look for the signal to understand what the risk was from looking at our data. So that was a, a really significant organization. Um, from there, I went to Southern Water to be the first chief data officer of water utility company in the UK. Um, again, it was a fascinating role. I'd never played with geospatial data before, you know, pumping stations, water treatment works, pipes under the ground. Um, so that was a really interesting and very challenging role. And one reason I wanted that role, I was very keen to take it, was because water is something fundamental to us all. And, and it, it builds our society and our communities. And I like the mission that we want Southern Water. And then most recently, I went to Leaven General two and a half years ago to head up um, Group Data Science um, as director. And I was also the chief data officer of Elgin, uh, the investment management business. And I think as you and I were just discussing before we came on air, um, announced on LinkedIn today that I've now left Leaven General. And I've taken up an interim role uh, as Chief Data and Analytics Officer for Carruthers and Jackson. So I've kind of come home. Absolutely. And you touched on uh, the, the kind of first C CDO role. Would you say that's where your data career started or would it have been even earlier than that? No, even earlier than that. If I go back to times, I'm sure, before you were born university, I did a lot of statistics at university. Satellite imagery was becoming a real thing. So, interpretation of satellite imagery, and a lot of the, the spectrum analytics that go around that. Um, and I left university as a business analyst. And really, that's a skill I use every day as a chief data officer understanding how the business runs, what the business processes are, and what the data processes, the data flows are underneath those. So, um, I then became a full stack back end engineer. Um, the, the start of the internet and the digital um, revolution. So each part of my career has kind of been leading up to that first role as a CDO, but data has been in there right from the start. So how would you say that's evolved over time then? Because it's, it's been such a, a fluid uh, profession, I would say. Yeah, it has. I think that, that um, when I started in that role, even you know as recently ago as five years ago, nobody really understood what it was. They knew it, they knew data was a thing. Everybody was talking about it as the new oil. People wanted insights, and people realised that there was nobody in an organisation at a senior level who was leading the strategy and the direction and being responsible for the outcomes. Um, and so there was some confusion as well. Where, where that role sat, who it reported into, where did it sit with regard to technology or the CTO or the CIO. But I think over the last five years, it has become uh, more defined. I think people are now realizing what 
the role of the CDO is and understanding that it's quite a complex role. There are different types of CDO for different types of demands. In other words, you might have a CDO who particularly majors on data governance and data management, the groundwork that you need before you really get into enterprise artificial intelligence or machine learning. You also might have a CDO who's actually at the other end of the spectrum as more of a data scientist. Or you might have those unicorns band between them all. And I think we are now understanding ourselves as a professional community that there's different. You know, we, we shouldn't all be going for the same job. We all have different skills and different experience. But equally, I think that the businesses and the recruiters are now understanding that there's different data animals out there. It's uh, so true, so true. So for you personally then, what really interests you about working with data? <laughs> um, I can get quite evangelical about this. I, I think it's because data underpins absolutely everything. I mean, you know, you take an investment management business, you know, they're an investment management business. They never see a pound note. They never see a five pound note. Now, they might have 1.4 trillion pounds of assets under management, but they never see a pound It's data. And so, you know, and particularly if you think about retail, particularly going online, you know, digital retail now is all about the data, the data about the stock, data about the customer, data about the, uh, the supply chain, the, delay, the data about delivery. It's data. So data underpins every business process. Um, and I think that that's what excites me. I think getting that to be efficient and governed and driving insights for the benefit of business operations benefit of customer well then it becomes really exciting so moving on to you know the the other side of the coin where you're working with data in, in, in authorship what made you guys want to to write the first book um it's a very simple anecdote uh, i think it must have been back end of 2017 caroline and i were both at a data conference in london and we both presented um in a morning session and we were having I think it was coffee or lunch together. We both looked at each other and said, you know, by heck, our jobs would be an awful lot easier if there was a book to go to that told you how to do it. We looked at each other and thought, well, let's write the book because there isn't one. So we identified a whole market. And the first book was really, really easy because it was just a stream of consciousness about what we had been through and what we were going through. And by listening to our peers and colleagues who were going through the same, their experiences as well. So it was a very, wrote it in under six months. Um, it was published in under a year um, because it was just such a stream. Of, it was almost cathartic. It was such a stream of consciousness. Um, the second book, uh, Data-Driven Business Transformation, was more thoughtful. That was harder because we were trying to unpick the relationship between data and digital and, and how you actually set up an organization to deliver on being data-driven and on data transformation. So that was, a, that was a hard one. Then when we came to rewrite the first, second edition, which was published back in December, just gone, again, we're back to easy ground, but that was just an update to the first one. That was just what has happened to us since 2017. And I think, I think Carol and I are both very keen. We, we've been lucky to be in the position of our careers at the time when it's all been happening. We've also learned a huge amount from our peers and colleagues. And they've been very generous in, in the conversation. It's a very inclusive community, data. And so we, we wanted to share back into that community our experiences. And what do you think was the biggest takeaway from the books? 
I, th I think it's. I think the biggest takeaway is is that a lot of the CDO's job, part of being data driven transformation, comes to culture. That unless you have the culture that can cope with that level of change, unless you have a culture that really values data, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. If you actually look at you know, everybody quotes Blockbuster, their their culture was completely wrong. There was no reason why Blockbuster shouldn't have become Netflix apart from the fact that their culture was wrong. They didn't see the need to change. I think the biggest thing that comes out of our that if you take data seriously, you see the need to change. Fantastic stuff. So what do you think, you know, using this, the, the stuff that culminates in the book, what would you describe as some of the major successes that you've achieved over your professional career? Wow. Um, <laughs> um, a strand that goes through comes back to the culture piece. I think that um, I would say one of my successes has been that, that, that evangelism piece to get organisations to realise that data is really important. And not only that, that it's possible. I think a lot of organisations know that they're in this position A over here. They want to get to position B over here. And everybody talks about IoT or machine learning or you know automated data management and that kind of stuff. They don't know how to get from one to the other. And I think that one of the things I hope that I've left behind your is the confidence and faith and trust that you can actually get from there to there. It is possible, and here are some ways to do it. So I think you know, I wouldn't want to pick on any of the you know, the the technology deliveries or the data product deliveries or services that we've done let's pick out any one of those i think it's more overarching i think it's actually changing that culture making organizations want to adopt it and that it is possible and where do you see technology really fitting into this picture because a lot of what you mentioned is is on the culture piece what impact do you think that's going to have over the next few years well i think the technology piece comes in two parts on the one hand you know, all faced or chief data officers are all faced with the issues of legacy technology and you arrive in an organization and one reason you've been brought in is to leverage value for the data because the organization's not been doing it um, so therefore you, you've got this legacy, legacy technology come. so that's one part of technology that's really really important unless you can free data from legacy infrastructure from legacy technology we're never going to deliver rapid insights that organizations are really hungry for. On the other side, data technology, and I don't want to name any brands, but lots of data technology is just accelerating so fast. Over the last five years, I have watched some, some products just go from naught to zero to, to, to global adoption to hundreds of thousands of licenses being used across the world. And that is an ever faster moving space. So Technology is crucially important. We've talked about people, culture. Now we're talking about the technology, the other piece of the triangle. We'll talk about the third one in a minute, I guess. But you have to get the technology right. Somehow you have to be adopting and using the modern cutting edge tools at the same time as releasing yourself from shackles of the legacy technology. I, I think that's a really great point. And, and I think it brings me nicely on to, you know, your own personal style, you know, when de dealing with a transformation or and leading it, how would you describe your own leadership style? It's a bit of a tricky question. <laughs> I will refer to some of the things that have about me, perhaps in annual reviews or, or by other people. I think it's, 
it's it's evangelical because I, I really believe this is something organizations have to do they really have to do it and like, i think if you take uk plc if you look at it as a broad spectrum you've got the leaders in this, in this data world followers and you've got laggers and if you're in the followers you make sure you're in the front of that pack if you're in the laggards somehow you move out of that space and become a follower or try and leapfrog to become a leader because those organizations that don't get this right will die top shop did not embrace online transactions not embrace being an online retailer they're gone asos did and they're thriving so you know it's that's why i'm so passionate about it. so it, it I think my leadership style is evangelical. I hope it's inclusive. I try to build really inclusive teams because I think that's where you get maximum creativity. Um, and I'll get hands on if you need me to, even though my data science is trying to keep me away from it. And what about when we don't need you to get hands on, when you're trying to engage and communicate seasoned senior business leaders who may not be specifically data leaders? Um, that's when that's when you have to um, a be be resilient. We, in the books, we talk about the secret ingredients of a CDO. One of those is resilient. You have to be resilient because you know some people don't get what you're talking about. Some people don't want to get what you're talking about. So you have to be resilient. Um, and I found that you have to keep on reinterpreting the message, the story, and it's important to be a storyteller. You have to keep on reinterpreting and telling it in lots of different languages in lots of different ways the cfo will want to hear it in one way the cmo will want to hear it in another way the ceo will want to hear it in another way and you have to be able to move between those languages those ways of delivering the message but keeping to the same overall story uh, that that is absolutely crucial and never stop never ever stop so where if you had to put one you know problem or one issue or, or one win let's say where do you see the biggest opportunity for improvement within organizations right now i think the biggest opportunity is if if, if an organization say you know wants to go from naught to 60 the easiest way is to actually give the business access to the data don't start thinking about you know, machine learning platform to what data science projects you could do because they will not be successful unless the business can get access to the data so the biggest thing that an organization can do is to put its data somewhere where the business can get access to it, to do the analytics, to do the research, to do the data science that they need to do. And so I think that once an organization starts to understand the concept of that you have hot and cold data, that you can copy or migrate data away from operational systems, you could do the analytics away from the operational systems, that is the biggest win an organization can make. You then want to wrap around that. You want that to be governed data so you know what it is and what they can and can't use and so on. But unless you start on that journey of, of releasing the data, you're not going to get anywhere. We couldn't really talk about a podcast in, in, in March 21 without mentioning COVID. How has that really affected your life and how have you adapted to that over the last year? Um, I'm going to answer this from the point of view of data in my career rather than the fact that I'm going stir crazy with lockdown <laughs> and I've had COVID twice. Um, apart from that, as a data professional, I'm talking to the, you know, 
the peers and colleagues that referred to earlier, in lots of tables and conferences and things, even during them, we all have a common view. I think that this is true right where every vertical is that COVID has, has, has driven a desire for access to more data and access to data more quickly. And that goes right the way from central government, you know, responding to, to the, the data that's coming out on infection rates or death rates, daily case now they want that data really quickly they want to be able to trust it because they need to make some pretty significant decisions based on that data that that is the same for every organization they need to have the data accessible and quick to make decisions about their workforce how well is their workforce where are their workforce? how many of them back in the office and data around how their business is running and so i think that covid has actually promoted data and the role of the cdo in the the CEOs, the CFOs, the business leaders are looking to the CDO saying we need more data, we need more quickly. Brilliant stuff. So what's your top working from home tip? <laughs> um, well, I'm very fortunate and I have a dedicated space to work. I know a lot of people aren't in that situation. That's the top tip is to don't get on the hamster wheel. In other words, Make yourself time to get up away from the desk, to get away from the table, even if it's just a walk around the room, um, to, to reset and set. But if you actually think about when you work in the office, just don't spend all day just sitting there. Talking to colleagues, getting up, moving around, moving, eating, perhaps. I think my biggest tip is to, is to do that. Um, yeah, it, it, it's tough for everybody. And I think it, it's... it's by now, I think we're all good at it, a bit ground down by it. Well, we're on the, uh, the other end now, which is, which is great. So last okay. couple of questions then. What do you think was the biggest mistake you made during your career? During my career? Well, that, that spans many, many years. I've made lots of mistakes, some of which I don't want to share. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I, I think I have made in the last five years, I'm going to be the chief later on, pointed out to me by my boss, um, and he said to me, you and your team are very good at what you do. Nobody knows about your successes. He says you need, he was advising me, you need to shout more about your successes. People need to understand the value that you and your team are bringing to the business because they are significant. But they're kind of, they're kind of hidden or other people are taking credit. Now, if, you, if you do a great dashboard for somebody, it's not your dashboard, it's their dashboard. And, and so that was one of the mistakes I made. And so I've tried to put that right and I've tried to um, really communicate about what it is we're about to do, what we've done, and what is coming next. Because I think that people don't understand perhaps how, how we do things and what we do. And so communications is probably the, the internal comp is probably one of the things that, that I let go early on, didn't get on top of. Perhaps also wanting to go a bit too fast. It's very hard when you when you can kind of see the answers and you can see the solutions. But it comes back to that culture. You have to get the business ready for it. You can't just land it on them because it doesn't work. I'm sure you've learned a lot from that, though. What are you curious about right now? And I've got an idea, but I want to hear you say it. What am I curious about? I'm 
something that's been I've been curious about for quite a while is around data sharing. You know, what what societal benefits, you know, benefits you know, for the climate challenge or for rebuilding after COVID could be gained from organisations open to sharing data? I'm not talking about sharing individuals' data, you know, PII data, because you know, we get caught in that sense, but but sharing data so we can actually um, leverage the value that's sitting between data sets that don't normally come together. I think that that is, that is crucially important. I think that we're getting more and more data. I think that that means that we ought to share more and more data. Uh, and I can think of you know, all sorts of examples. I've been talking about some colleagues this morning. And that, that, I think, that, that excites me. And I think it's a huge opportunity. Who is your favourite thought leader or author? Well, I have to say Caroline Carruthers, don't I? <laughs> um, greatest thought leader? Awful, I can't remember the name of the guy who wrote the book, Sapiens, which I read two years ago. Um, I shouldn't So after I was reading that book, or whilst I was reading it, I'd be in conversations and I'd say, you've got to go and read Sapiens. It's all in there that explains why this mm. is. So I think, I think at the moment that's, that's probably my favourite author um, around sort of bus- business thinking and business books, yeah. Last question. What advice would you give for aspiring leaders in data? Network. That's my first thing. Network. Get to know your peers because it is such a new profession. I think that we're all learning a huge amount from each other. And I think be ambitious. Um, you know, I think realising that we are, I think, in a very pivotal moment uh, in the world where data is, is, is in so much demand and insight from data is in so much demand. Be ambitious. Great advice from Peter Jackson. What's the new book called? I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is being written um the ideas are currently about to go to publishing so uh yeah to it. exciting Hopefully times yeah 2022 perhaps look out i will do thanks peter pleasure thank you very much paul